Computer, initialize Holosuite. where we analyze, discuss, and review randomly selected Star Trek episodes. My name is Matt, and I will be your host on this installment of RTR, and the co-host, as always, is my good friend Andrew. And Andrew, how are you? Wait. Where? Andrew, where'd you go? Matt, can you see me? Matt, can you see me? Oh, there you are. Oh, good thing I uh, flooded the room with Anion emissions to dephase you before we started recording. I thought I might have to do this one solo. Yes, indeed, and we are into our third episode. The third uh, episode. Random yeah. Trek Review, yeah. This is uh, starting to get into the crooked numbers, as it were. That's where, That's right. Very crooked numbers. So why don't we start by uh, going back to my uh, recall of the episode that we'll be discussing this week, the next phase. Uh, how did I do? Well, I think, this is, uh, I think this is one of those cases where, like, it was, this was a smash for you. You obviously knew the episode straight away. You had the... The defacing, the row, the Jordy, the funeral, planning, everything like that. Um, I think you didn't mention the Romulans maybe as much as they thought they were going to be. Um, and you didn't mention that there was like the guy that comes and he's defaced as well. But I think other than that, you pretty much had everything. So um, I think if I'm giving a score out of five muon waves, I think that I got to give you five out of five. This is the first time it's happened, so we should... If we had like a little soundboard, we'd play like, oh, yay, five out of five. <laughs> um, it's an exciting time, but yeah, I mean, y- you knew this one. This is kind of a classic episode, um, so five out of five. And actually, I'm going to uh, follow up your question with another question, because my secret math question is... Oh, the secret math question. What is a muon wave? Do you know? How deep did your research delve? <laughs> we just talked about this, and I asked if it was a real thing. So the answer is muon wave. Something to do with the warp core. I, that's all I can think of. So I, I did a little bit of research. It is a real thing. It's it's kind of like uh, you know like electrons and protons and neutrons in the atom. It's kind of like an electron. So um, it's like a super small particle that's got like a negative charge. I mm-hmm. kind of started reading more deep into it, and I realized that I didn't have like a physics degree, so I kind of stopped on it, but. Um, I was wondering how deep you went into uh, researching it. I obviously went probably deeper than need be, but there you go. They must have pulled that little piece out of something, which is kind of cool. I thought that the next generation always did a really good job. And actually, the original series was trying to keep as much sciencey stuff into the show as possible, even if it doesn't necessarily make perfect sense. It's like, it's kind of cool they used a real thing. Yeah, I didn't quite wade that deep into the physics, but that's uh, that's very interesting to know. Yeah. So why don't we uh, talk about uh, quick memories, first time watching it. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw this? Um, I do. Um, like I, I, even last week I mentioned that I remember this one. Uh, I think it's kind of a cool name, so it like, definitely sticks out. And I was always a big fan of Ensign Rowe. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure why. Um, because she's a badass. I guess so, yeah. And it's kind of like they made that episode, I think it was called Ensign Row, where they really spotlighted her and then she would show up periodically. Um, and I don't really think there was even that many episodes. I think she ends up being in like maybe five or six total. That sounds um, about right, yeah. And I don't know, for some reason, like whenever she showed up, it was just kind of a, a cool, cool thing. I always liked those episodes. I thought that um, Michelle Forbes really did a great job with her and stuff like that. So um, I always liked it. Um, I watched it kind of when I was watching the series for the first time on Netflix a few years ago. So, I mean, it's not that far back to think about. But, yeah, that was kind of uh, my mem- memory of it. I always liked it. How about you? This is one of the first episodes I ever saw of The Next Generation, probably with the first three or four. And I actually did see it during the original run, which was kind of amazing, because that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I've always had kind of a soft spot for this one. I always really liked it. I thought it was a pretty good episode, and, um, you know, because it was one of the first ones I ever saw, I've always always had a soft spot for it. I've seen it probably a dozen times, which is why I, I knew so much about it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. When you see something as a kid, it always holds a special spot, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about the next phase, which I think is an ingenious title. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of actually interesting because we just did Tholian Web last week, which also was kind of like about phasing in and out, stuff like that. So it's kind of cool (laughs) that we got to see it again. Um, It's true. Yeah, yeah, I think it is kind of a, a cool title. Um, it's interesting though because I actually read that some of the people on the production staff didn't love the title name. They thought it was a great episode, but they didn't like the title. I think it's great, and again, I think it's super memorable too. Yeah, what do they know? Yeah, so it's uh, it's the twenty fourth episode of the fifth season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. It was originally aired on May eighteenth, nineteen ninety two. So yeah, that was a I was a very young mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek fan when I first saw it. Uh, it guest stars Michelle Forbes as Ensign Rowe, Thomas Kopash as Maroc, Susanna Thompson as Burrell, Shelby Leverington as Brosmer, and Brian Cousins as Perrin. It was written by Ronald D. Moore and directed by David Carson. Yeah, Ronald D. Moore, he never really went on to do any other Star Trek stuff after this, though, right? <laughs> neither, neither did David Carson. <laughs> who, who are those guys? Yeah, really. Yeah. So, uh, just a quick synopsis uh, so you know what if, if you didn't quite catch it uh, between uh, podcasts and you don't know what the hell we're talking about here's a quick synopsis the enterprise responds to a distress call from a romulan vessel suffering from an engine failure an away team beam o- beams over to help and determines the graviton generator needs to be replaced before and row beam back with the generator but are lost after a transporter accident Data and the team of engineers heads to the Romulan vessel and arrive just in the nick of time to eject the warp core before it explodes, saving the ship. Meanwhile, Roe wakes up on the Enterprise and is quite perplexed when everyone ignores her, including Picard and Crusher in sickbay. As Captain Picard leaves sickbay, sick, leaves sickbay he walks right through her. Roe sees Dr. Crusher is making out her death certificate, leaving Roe to believe that she's dead. The Enterprise continues repairs to the Romulan ship while Data and Chief Brosmer investigate the transporter accident. LaForge wakes up in engineering and, like Roe, is ignored by everyone. Roe walks in and the two are able to see each other, and Roe informs LaForge that they are dead. LaForge wants none of it, and and decides to set off to determine what really happened to them. While Roe makes peace with her crewmates, LaForge convinces Roe to head to the Romulan ship to find out what happened. He discovers that the Romulans were experimenting with a new type of cloaking device that pushes normal matter out of phase, meaning that they aren't actually dead and could be brought back into normal phase. 
A Romulan who is out of phase like Jordi and Rowe follows them back to the Enterprise and demands they make him normal again. After a chase through the crew quarters, he ends up floating in space thanks to a LaForge body check. LaForge figures out a way to dephase them and heads to their memorial service to try to get someone to see them. Data eventually figures out that LaForge and Rowe are not dead and has Rossmer flood ten forward with a dephasing beam, leaving LaForge and Rowe safe and sound. Very well done. Alright, Andrew, why don't you give us just a quick uh, overall impression of the uh, episode. What did you, what did you think? Um, I like this episode a lot. Um, I think that they did a good job of like keeping the pace nice and quick. Um, I think that they did a good job kind of leaving it ambiguous and kind of seeing the other characters, how they reacted to the death of two crew people and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was interesting that they like kept pushing forward with the job and stuff like that. Like It was kind of like, oh, they're lost and uh, we still have to do this Romulan ship thing, which was really kind of an interesting thing to see. Uh, I thought there was a couple of good funny moments throughout as well. And um, it just, yeah, I think it, it has a nice theme, right? This whole thing about like they think that they're dead and stuff like that. And it's this battle between Ro and Jory. So um, overall, yeah, I think it's a good one. You? Yeah, I tend to agree. I... I... As I said, I kind of have a soft spot for this one because it was one of the first ones I ever saw. But I, I, I really, I mean, it is really a good episode when you really sit down and even try to sort of break it down. There's a lot of cool themes. And like you said, it's an, kind of an interesting way to look at how the crew deals with losing a crew member because they like they legitimately think that they're dead, even though they aren't. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're able to kind of hit the reset button at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this one. It's a, I thought it was a really well done episode. Yeah, and I think that, like, um, I was looking at it, actually, and it's like, this is amongst the heavy hitters. Like, you forget how many good episodes were in Season 5, Next Generation. Like, this one is, is in between Iborg and The Inner Light. Like, yeah, yeah. Those, are two, those are two big uh, TNG episodes, right? So, I mean, this is kind of, like, right when I think Next Generation was really hitting its stride. You know, by Season 7 and stuff, some people, ah, they kind of ran out of ideas and stuff like that, but they're still, like, banging out excellent episode after excellent episode at this point right yeah five and season five and season six i would say definitely sort as of good as the, you're gonna get you know golden age of tng as it were yeah no definitely now it's interesting because uh, they're not wasn't originally supposed to be about the romulans they weren't going to use the romulans originally um what do you think about that it was kind of an, an interesting thing to read because I, I always kind of think like next generation romulans like that's just uh, you know milk and cookies yeah, it was a, I was I definitely kind of smirked when I read that quote from I believe it was Ronald D. Moore who said we'd gotten sick of the Romulans and we didn't want to use them even though they didn't really use them that much in season five I don't think. Yeah, I mean like there's a lot of episodes of Next Generation where like the Romulans show up and it's the big standoff and then it ends up going diplomatically. Um, Always run-ins with Tomalock in, what, season three? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's really, really good. It, but it is interesting to hear the writer. And I think that's, like, the benefit of looking at these shows now because now you get all the dirt, right? Now that it's, like, so far removed, people don't care anymore. They'll just be like, yeah, I didn't want to do that because of this reason or that reason. Or you hear the good stories about the crew and stuff like that, right? So yeah, that's true. Um, I think that the Romulan thing actually added a, a, a nice level of intrigue just because they are so deceptive. They're so shady. Like, you never can really trust what they're doing and when it turns out that they're the defaced guy i thought that was a really kind of a good little late in the episode like uh jump in right like that oh there's an added thing right like it actually yeah. built it up a lot more than i think it would have been if it wasn't for the romulans you know 
Well, it also kind of fits with it being sort of a new cloaking device. Whereas exactly. if you brought in a different alien or new aliens, you'd kind of have to explain that, and that might take time away from what it's really act. about, which is the, these two people that are defaced and the action that you know is along with that. So I, I mean, it seemed like a logical, uh, you know, a logical sort of villain, I guess, for this episode. It, it made sense, maybe even though they weren't, they were a little reluctant to use them. Yeah, you know, I definitely. thought it, I thought it worked. One other interesting thing that I, you know, I read about this, and I think you probably read about it as well, is that this was actually pitched originally as two different but similar stories by two different people, and then it was combined into a single show. I thought that was kind of interesting, like that two different people would come up with like this sort the same of, kind of idea. story. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I read this a lot with star trek is that like they have to distill down ideas because remember this is the time where they were getting scripts from people off the street and they got the writer's yeah. room and they got all these different things right so i think they basically just took kind of things that were probably similar and even just a little bit of a way they boil it down take the last little bit of you know good stuff and turn those into episodes right so i think that uh that that part of it makes sense and yeah i mean i think people love the idea of like it's the invisible man right like yeah. um you know going around and creating trouble and stuff like that right so i think that for me that i read that and i was like yeah okay i, I mean i guess i, I can see that and I, I definitely think that by putting all the elements together in one big episode it definitely made it really interesting made it definitely more tense tense as well they didn't really cause a lot of mischief though did they although and they were creating the chronoton fields mm-hmm. so that data would you know pump up the beam a little bit that was kind of funny <laughs> yeah that's true i mean i guess that's just the thing right with the invisible man thing it's like are they going to go and do evil things well not on star trek right not starfleet so it's not like they're going into the showers or anything like that it's like they're just using it to like run through the walls there's even like a lot of scenes where like they could easily go through the door but they go through the wall anyway like i don't know if you <laughs> noticed that but like the, they it's like how did they even get there like they're like jumping through the bulkheads or something which i thought was that was kind of funny yeah now, one other uh, interesting piece of background uh, information is that this was originally supposed to be like a, a Troy slash Geordi episode and not Roe. And I don't know if that would have worked quite as well. Um, like, what do, you, what do you think that would have been like? I don't know. I guess that it would be... The thing with Troy is that she's got the psychic powers, right? So if she thought that she was dead, but she could still sense people, that wouldn't really make sense. And maybe they thought that, you know, it would be better off to leave her off so that, you know, like if you're out of phase, then, you know, Troy can't even sense you like that kind of adds another layer to it. Um, I don't know if I like it as with Troy, like I, I really do like the character, but I, I think that the whole thing about bringing in Ensign Roll right from day one was all about faith, right? Because like the Bajorans in Next Generation was getting set up for Deep Space Nine, which is coming out, like, the very next year, which is going to be, like, faith, like, times a million. And so by doing the whole, like, little faith tie-in, I think that's what makes it special. Yeah, to me, the problem with Troy is, like, would she have just accepted that she was dead as right away? Like, Ro was, like, like right away, as soon as mm-hmm. she saw the death ship, she was like, oh, I'm dead. Right. You know, would, would Troy accepted that readily? I, I don't I know. Don't I so. feel like... I, yeah, I feel like she would sort of maybe take a, a less drastic route that Jordy took, which is like, well, I don't think I'm dead. Like, well, if I'm dead, I wouldn't still be here. So you would, right. You know, she would want to be figuring out what happened. 
Exactly. And the whole thing is it's it's faith versus science, right? And so yeah. if you have a science and like Betazoid, we haven't heard of like any Betazoid religious stuff, so that doesn't really work. Yeah. I, yeah, it, I think Roe is a great choice because like you said, you've got the faith versus science. Yeah, definitely. All right, why don't we, you know, run through the plot here and, uh, you know, talk about what happens in this episode. So it starts with sort of a cold open and they're, you know, they're responding to a distress call from a Romulan ship. Uh, the first, like, couple minutes, like, what did you think of that? Like, it was, it was a cold open. Uh, you know, did you think that it sort of, it didn't seem all that ominous to me. Did you, you know, it's actually kind of a funny thing because I feel like uh, one of the things that Next Generation does really good is they do good slow burners where like, oh, they're in the holodeck and they're goofing around and stuff like that. But they're also really good at like just jumping right in. And I feel like this was more of like a jump right in. Yeah, and totally. I think that by the time the credits hit, like, I, again, I was invested in it because, you know, they're, they're racing, you know, they got the pensive looks on their faces and, you know, everyone's kind of wringing their hands or asking how much time do we get there and everything like that. So um, I think that they did a, a very good job of um, like, kind of setting that this is not going to be like a, you know, jokey, goofy episode. This one is going to be probably more towards, like, the serious side. Yeah, like, when they beam over to that Romulan ship, it's, like, just in shambles. Mm -hmm. There's, like, dead bodies, and he's, like, you can tell that, holy crap, something terrible has happened to these poor poor Romulans. Yeah, and it was cool that they actually beamed over to, like, the engineering section, because, like, all the other sections were, like, condemned, shut down, broken up, like, it was... I liked that. That was kind of something you don't see. Usually you bring beam over to the bridge. Yeah. Um, but this time they had to beam like right over to like the middle of the ship and everything else is like basically off limits, which was kind of cool. I liked that aspect of it a lot. Yeah. And then, and then of course, you know, the forge and row beam back and there's the accident and they're both gone. Um, that was kind of like sudden. Uh, do you think that was like, how did, what do you think of that? Like, I thought it was, it was like, holy, like it, they disappear and then it cuts to credit like to the, the, the opening and it's like holy smokes like, yeah again was... I think it was kind of interesting because last what? week we talked about this exact thing right with the, when we talked about the Tholian web how like that transporter chief you've got to be on you, if you don't hit the dials and twist the buttons at the right time like you'll lose them right um, and it actually was again one of those things where all you know every time that they beam there's like that little split second where you're like eh, are they, is it going to work or is it not going to work you know um, and so yeah again I think that you know, they disappear and that kind of sets up like, okay, well, where'd they go? That's your episode, right? So I think that was a great way to do it. Yeah, and like, it's, and as soon as it comes back, like, you know, they cut to, you know, Data and the Chief are like trying everything they can to find them and they can't and Troy can't sense anything and it's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're gone, you know, and there's not really a whole lot of doubt. Mm -hmm. And actually, gone. one of my favorite things too is like, they report to Picard that they've lost them and it's like this is where you see Picard like ultimate leader he's like get the shuttles we're not gonna we're shutting down the transporters tell the pilots to like be on the ready like and it's just like boom 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 it's just like order 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 and it's actually something like for a show that's about like the military like workings of a ship I don't see that a ton where it's just like the captain barking orders to like five different people like we have to get stuff done like let's go and I actually really liked that scene where um, he starts sending everybody off to like do their duty, which was really cool. Yeah, they still had a job to do. And so, uh, so Data he heads over to the Romulan ship, and like as he's on his way, there's like uh, 
the warp core is overloading and they, they have to eject it, but of course they have to do it manually because all the systems are blown up and and there's that crazy sort of frantic scene where like Worf and that other Romulan are like trying to get the stuff all, you know, right. trying to get the pull the levers and all that stuff to get the warp core ejected. It's basically like the submarine two keys, but it's yeah. like the levers, you have to pull them at the same time to release it. Yeah, and, and then of course they can't quite get the door shut and then and they're like, Oh my god, oh, you know, it's gonna blow up in thirty seconds and data just sort of strolls I in. I love just... that, yeah. Well daddy's home. <laughs> pulls it together. Doesn't even like break a sweat. I love yeah, well, it's it's that's data, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's it's that's a that's a perfect like use of that like you know Superman the super ability. strength, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so they save the ship, uh, you know, barely, you know, like they they eject the core with like what five seconds to spare, and yeah, they know, do the little thing where they extend the Enterprise's shields like over yeah. the other ship. Yeah, that, was kinda, that was cool. That was pretty neat. Yeah, I love that too. Like again, back kind of what I was saying before though, like where. Now Riker's over there, and he's you know he's the away lead, right? Like he's going to be the person who's going to be in charge on the away mission. Yeah. Same thing. When I say it, you got to hit the thing. You do this, do that. Like again, it's it really go, shows a very good use of the command structure yeah. on the Enterprise. It's really like a, a very good um, way of showing it, which is awesome. Yep. Then we see Ro wake up in a in a corridor, and she's like out cold, passed out on the ground, and she gets up, and she's like all woozy, and you know no one's paying any attention to her, everyone's ignoring her, and she's sort of like, why are you guys not paying attention to me? And and so like when when you first saw this, like did you think like what did you think was up? Uh, well, they did a good job. The first couple of people that walk by, it's like oh, okay, like they just aren't saying hello or what have you. Like it's right. a tense time. That makes sense. Um, I think they didn't push it too far. This could have been like really hokey, but like she goes into sick bay and she says to a couple of people, like they, and it's not like way too much. You know what I mean? Like I feel like this could be something where it, they could have done it too long and had it been kind of cheesy. But I thought that it was pretty good, and I, I like that. Uh, you know, you also get the Picard, um, Beverly scene talking about how you know they passed away and everything like that, and. Um, there's kind of an interesting thing where like Beverly doesn't really want to give up on it quite yet, and Picard's like, no, no, like we we've exhausted everything. Uh, uh, that's true. I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of episodes where like they put they go to a lot further lengths to try to get people back, right? Um, but I mean, other than that, I do think that's an interesting scene that you don't typically see, right? Like, there's not that many times where the crew members die, so it was interesting to see what that exchange would be like, and then of course the reveal when he goes to leave and he just walks right through her. Yeah, that yeah, Crusher like she she was maybe they beamed to another part of the Enterprise. Maybe yeah. they materialized on the wrong image. It's like well, yeah, we already about this time. we already checked that Beverly. It, uh, no, they're they're they they're done. And like you said, yeah, as as Picard leaves, he walks right through her, and that's sort of the first indication, like the first solid indication of like, whoa, something is going, something weird is going on here. Like, right. You know. And then, I mean, that ties right into then, you know, Beverly sits down like Dookie Hauser and starts like clapping out the death certificates. <laughs> and uh, this is where like Roe is like, oh, I'm dead. And I, it's interesting how fast she accepts it. Like, she's like, oh, death certificate. Well, must be dead then. Like, this is just what it is. Like, when you die, you just walk around like a, like a ghost, basically. Yeah. Back on the uh, Romulan ship, the Enterprise engages a, a power transfer, which we s actually see later on in the series with another messed up Romulan ship. Which I yeah, they, they do that periodically, but yeah, like maybe a handful of times they've done that, maybe once or twice. Yeah. 
Data's uh, Data continues to investigate the accident with uh, Chief Brosmer, and he detects some strange radiation in the transporter while he, while he's sort of trying to figure out what's going on. And that was kind of the first indication that oh maybe there was something more to this transporter accident. Um, and then he and then he asked Picard for permission to uh, to put together a memorial service, which I thought was when I first sort of saw that I was like oh this is going to be kind of interesting data you know doing putting together of like a funeral or a memorial service basically like what what did you think of that um, I thought it was interesting I thought it was kind of like uh, one of those things where like you're going to have the second officer of the flagship of the federation like organizing a funeral it makes sense because he's his best friend right but then he's also got to do like the investigating and he's also got to like go and close the doors and he's got to like he's asking a whole awful lot of data here like it, it's did you think it would be better if he was just doing one or the other or the whole the whole thing tied together didn't bother you if it was any other crew member i would be like okay that's a lot of things to be doing especially like if you just lost your best friend like you, you're really in a good state of mind to be investigating. right but he's but not I mean, affected he's, by it right yeah i so. mean he's data he doesn't sleep i'm sure he didn't i didn't really have a problem with it no. yeah that's true good point yeah. Uh, so there's another scene after that where on the Romulan ship where Worf goes to Riker and he's all concerned because the Romulans wanted a new computer. Right, yeah, this is a funny bit. What was the point of it? I don't understand really what so, the big deal was. You know how like Worf has like this like bad habit of like all the times he does his ideas, like it always gets shot down. Like, you know, that's kind of like a trope in Next Gen where... He's like, no, we have to attack. And it's like, no, nope, not this time. No, nope, not this time. No, nope, not this time. <laughs> I kind of almost feel like this is just like shoe, shoehorned in to be like, well, we can't give him a brand new computer. And then Riker's like, we'll give him an old one. It's like, thanks for the tip, Warp. Like, it was kind of a weird thing to put in, but it was kind of interesting. And I think that, it, again, it's just, it's building up that like the Romulans are never to be trusted. Like every little thing, if they ask you to use your computer, they're going to steal your information. They ask you to do a power transfer, they're going to, like, set a bomb up in it. Like, you can't trust them in anything. Like, they're always, like, thinking three steps ahead of you, so you have to be so careful. Right. Well, I guess that makes, yeah, I guess that makes some sense, yeah. Those, those damn Romulans, man, they're, they're slippery ones, you can't trust them. So we go next, go to engineering, where Jordy's uh, sort of, you know, trying to get people's attention and everyone's ignoring him much like they, they were with Roe earlier on. And then Roe sort of walt, you know wanders in. I'm, I'm not sure what that was all about. But, uh... Yeah, she well, can, she, eventually they find each other. Like, like well, like, you know, she, she thinks she's dead. Like, oh, I think I'll go see what's going on in engineering. Yeah. But anyways, she walks in and Roe, and she's able to see him. They're able to see each other and they seem solid to each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Roe's, you know, Roe tells them that they're dead. And LaForge is like, I don't believe that. You know, like, there's a, there's a funny line that we'll talk about later where he's, like, he's sort of, you know, like, we're like, what am I, a ghost? You know, like, this right. doesn't make sense. Like, you know, there, there's got to be some, something's got to happen to us. There's more to this than just being dead, right? You know, what did you uh, think of sort of re- LaForge's reaction to being told that he's dead? Um, I think that it's pretty good. And again, it's kind of like, it doesn't really make sense to him, and it doesn't really make sense if you in like a grander, like spiritual kind of thing. Like if you think about like if you die, you just become invisible to everyone else. Like that doesn't like and you just walk around like it goes forever. Like there's some there's you know what I mean like there's some little aspect of it that's like 
just a little off, you know, like nothing changes. You wear the same clothes, the same haircut, like the visor on. Like it's, so there's something about it that's just definitely strange. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it is interesting how like that wasn't even really something that he had considered. It was just got, like when she says that he kind of it has a weird look on his face, like what? Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. And also the other thing too, is like, she's so readily to accept it. And he kind of says like, well, if you've already accepted it, what difference does it make? We might as well investigate it, right? Exactly, yeah. um, now, I mean, the other thing I guess we should probably talk about here, because this is where they first start running through the walls and stuff like that. Um, there is the conceit that why don't they just fall to the floor? You know what I <laughs> well, mean? Well, that would, that would make for a difficult... That would make the episode a lot more difficult. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? Like, And I mean, there's another thing too, because... Um, Rowitz at this point basically decides that she's going to go around and say like her last words to all the crew members and everything like that and she goes up to the bridge and she actually touches the console and she runs her hands on it and stuff like that doesn't go through um, yeah that that was again like there's a little bit of a conceit I'm ready I'm willing to let it go just because I feel like it's a little it's really nitpicky um, yeah. but I mean what did you think about when she wants to go and tell Picard you know she's intimidated still and everything like that there's that kind of line where she's like you know you can't see me or hear me or anything I'm still intimidated but you what do you think about when she goes around and kind of uh, starts to say goodbye to like the captain and everything like that well I think if she was that convinced that she was dead I feel like that's maybe kind of a sensible thing to do if you think you're dead so I mean I think it was a sort of a for someone who's as spiritual as Roe would have been being a Bajoran and convinced that you're dead, like, I don't think it was a silly or stupid thing to do. I thought it made perfect sense. Yeah. You know, to, you know, she probably saw this as, like, an opportunity to make peace with her friends before moving on to whatever lies beyond. Right, and there's, there's actually a funny scene, too, where Riker's talking about how he wants to write, like, her eulogy, basically, and he he keeps getting interrupted, like, when he says what's going to be in it, and she keeps, she's like, what? What were you going to say? Why was it hard to write? Like, that, that is, yeah. again, a funny moment in an otherwise pretty serious episode, right? Yeah. Back on the uh, Romulan ship, uh, so Riker's sort of or actually, I guess this wasn't on the Romulan ship. Riker and Picard are talking about what happened, and Riker believes that the Romulans were testing a new engine, and that's why their warp cores sort of overloaded and, and blew up. Um, and then LaForge tracks down Rowan and says, you know, convinces her to go to the Romulan ship to, to try to figure out what's going on, because he's convinced that, you know, whatever happened to us, we'll probably, you know, be able to find out if we go check out things on the Romulan ship. And again, he, he uses that line where, like, listen, if we're, if we're dead, then none of this matters anyway. But if I'm... You know, if I'm right and we're still alive, then we need to figure out what's going on. And so, right. you know, and so they they head over to the Romulan ship, and uh, there's a cool scene when they're going across on the shuttle with, with Data and Worf, and Data and him are talking about uh, the memorial service, and Data's like, I don't really know what to do, you know, what do you think I should do? And Worf, you know, tells them about all the, the Klingon, you know, traditions with yeah how it's like it's like a great time right like when you die that's like one of the greatest things now it's a little tweak did you pick up on that because like the klingon thing is like that you die in battle but Mm. Worf says he died in the line of duty which is not quite the exact same yeah i did kind of yeah 
Yeah, I noticed. I noticed that he said Line of Duty, and I was like, mm, mm, it's not really it's not the quite. same. Pretty close. There's but. also kind of like a weird thing too, where um, like Data's gone around and he's researched all the different kinds of like uh, you know cultures, which ones like celebrate it, which ones are sad celebrate, and he mentions the Bajoran death chance. I tried to think really hard. Does this ever come back again? Like, I don't believe so. No, I don't. Space Nine, any... like remember like Barile and those guys. Like they, there were certain people that were Bajoran who died. I don't ever remember them doing a death chant. No, I don't remember that either. Yeah, I think that maybe was just a little. Well, it's bit apparently two hours long, so I mean that's why. <laughs> they never put it in the episode. It's a four-parter. It's an it's only a forty-five minute show, so yeah, they, <laughs> they couldn't really shoehorn it in there. But yeah, it is a really great scene. Again, I think that's what makes this episode good is that it's always kind of like. You know, usually it's the audience that's the fly in the ointment watching all the things take place. But now it's actually the characters. Yeah. We're, you know, we're watching them and they're watching the other characters, which is really cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they so then they, they head over to the Romulan ship and Data detects um, the same, like, radiation that they detected on the Enterprise on the Romulan ship. And he's, he, he's asking them about the cloaking device, and they're sort of, like, you know, uneasy about talking about it. And you can that's when you start kind of sensing that maybe that the Romulans are up to something. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you ask them about the cloaking device, and they sort of look at each other, and he's like, oh, well, uh, all the systems were messed up, including the cloaking device, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, I mean, I mean, did you sort of get a sense at that point that maybe they were still kind of up to something? Yeah, I mean, again, I think that they did a good job making you think that the Romulans are always up to something. Um, and then when Jordy like is sticking his face in the the cloaking device, I guess it was, or he was yeah. like he had his face like in that machine, and he was like, something is not right here. Like it looks different than anything I've ever seen. Um, yeah. I thought that that was really good. Um, did you think that you know? The bomb in you know the bomb in the warp core going through the power thing the characters being defazed having the you know the sweeps and then the other the Romulan guy was defazed was this ramping it up too much not enough or just right I thought it was just right yeah. um I I didn't really think that the pacing was like too fast I I thought it was I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, me too. When they did the bomb through the power stream to kind of put the time crunch onto it, uh, there was a second where I was like, "Oh, is this going to be too much?" But it actually, ends up kind of paying off later. That there was a, it was it made for some good lines and some good moments by having that. Like as soon as they go to warp, it's going to blow. Right, that right. that added to it, which was cool. Yeah, so just sort of to get back to what happened in the episode. So after Worf and Riker leave and Data the. The Romulans sort of go into a little corner, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna send a muon wave through the war, the power right. transfer, and and, and the forging row here yeah. and the talking, right?" So they know they're, they're like, "Oh no, the Romulans are you know sabotaging the ship," and of course, no one else heard them. So they take off, you know, for the shuttle to go back to try to figure out a way to warn them, and then that's when. This, you know, sort of unsuspecting Romulan who's been, like, just sitting in a chair the whole time, he gets up and, and walks after them. He goes right through the center panel of the, right. of the bridge, and you're just like, oh, that's no, the, that's the, when you realize that the guy's yeah. actually... And he, they, again, though, they did a couple of shots where he had shifty eyes, right? Like, it's like the, you know, Homer and the, the dog with the shifty eyes. Like, he kind of does a couple of sideways glances, which sets it up. Right, and then when he runs to the console, it shows it. Right, so. yeah. If you go back and watch it, you know, like you can cut. You're you're right. There are kind of like Some very very cues, subtle yeah. little looks, like oh, maybe he can actually hear them, like Jordy and Will, right? Like what they're when they're talking, yeah. 
So he follows them back to the Enterprise, and he, he makes his way to the bridge where Ro is, like, you know, watching them work or whatever. And he's, you know, he walks up to her, and he's blowing a disruptor, pointing at, his he- at her head, and he's like, yes, I can see you, and yeah, this disruptor works and all this. And he, he, he demands that they, you know, go find the... You know, go find Jordy and figure out how to turn them normal. Um, what did you think about that sort of confrontation, right off? When you know, right off the. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we could talk about the whole the whole thing. I think that there's a lot of really good action here. I think that like Michelle Forbes, especially like, there's a couple of times where she like gets some like good high kicks and stuff like that. Oh yeah, um, she she was like the like, what was the quote like? She 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 was able to, to do a nice high kick that was like Bruce Lee worthy or something. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, she she gets into a couple of tussles and it, it it's really good. Um. I think that yeah, like that big chase is good, and then again, adding on the fact that you can they can run through the walls, and, and like I love this whole thing where like people are eating dinner and they're like running through the table <laughs> and stuff. It's kind of like the old gag where um, people are having the dinner and then like somebody runs on top and it ruins the picnic and stuff. It's kind of the same joke, but it's like they actually just run right through and then nothing's affected. Like yeah, um, I also like the added tension that the he's got the his phaser like was defased as well yeah so like it won't hurt anybody that's not defaced but it would hurt somebody who is which is another again just makes it that little bit more tension a little bit more interesting and um yeah again i think that you mentioned already in the in the plot summary but he gets like the big body check out into space which is like (laughs) One of the best yeah, there's ways like a chase, and, and, and the forge like just happens to walk in at the right moment where they're mm-hmm. sort of struggling or whatever. And you know, Rose like you know actually doing a pretty good job fending this guy off, and Jordy basically just runs up to him and just body checks him. Yeah, like, it's just, just the most the like shoulder. burly brute you know move that he can make, and the guy ends up like flying through the bulkhead. And he's you know, he's like flipping space. like backward, like he's doing like backflips. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And you know, and the Ford just sort of figured out through this whole thing, like, okay, here's how we deface ourselves. Like, there's that scene in engineering where where Data is like, you know, decontaminating whatever the places they've walked through, and he accidentally hits the Forge with the beam, and his hand is like partially. Yeah, that was great. So the Forge is able to figure out, okay, if if he hits us with that, you know, high enough intensity of that beam, it'll bring us back. But we're going to need someone to be looking at us when that happens or they're not going to know that it's working. Right. So they end up going to their own memorial service in 10-4, which is kind of a funny thing if you think about it because there's all these people there and, and you know, if they try to deface them, the odds are someone's going to be looking at them, right? Yeah, and, and this this is why this episode is so good, right? Because, again, she's going around, Brosmer's going around and hitting the different places that where they show up and, and basically doing it. And then Picard goes, oh, we have to go to our next mission. You know, he's just about to say engage. And she's like, well, wait, let me finish the scans, right? Um, Which is, again, then it sets up, right? And Picard go down to the memorial service. They think, where is there to be a lot of people that will see us? We'll go there. And if we're there a whole bunch making a bunch of racket, then they're going to need to sweep it. Like, again, everything just fits. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, so there's... They, they they try to deface once and it doesn't quite work because they're they haven't created a high enough intensity field and so Ro decides hey if I put this disruptor on overload it's going to create this you know it's going to explode it's going to create this huge chroniton field they're going to have to like crank up the intensity of you know a fair bit maybe maybe that'll work so she does she put she sets it on overload it blows up and um, they when they partially deface Picard and Data both see them. 
and Picard's all like, did you see that, Mr. Data? And then they sort of talk back and forth, and Data finally, you know, figures it out and tells Brosmer, hey, just crank it up as high as it'll go, and and, and fortunately it works, and they dephase, and uh, everyone's very happy to see them. Yeah, that's great. And you, again, I'm back, I didn't mention it, but you even had that line, right? It looks like a great party. Mind if we join? Like, that's, <laughs> you even had that line back when we, uh, when you were doing your synopsis of it, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, that was it. That is the whole next yeah, phase. Yeah, basically the forge uh, tells them to shut down the engine so they don't blow up and, and everyone's happy and safe and sound. Mm-hmm. Why don't we uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the characters and the cast of uh, this episode. So um, why, why don't we start with Ensign Rowe and, and uh, what did you think of Ensign Rowe in this episode? Um, like I, I already mentioned that I really like Ensign Rowe. Um, I think that, uh, it's, it's a perfect character for this script. Um, and I, I actually really like Michelle Forbes. Um, she's kind of like a character actor and I, I, like, I don't know if you knew this or not, but like, apparently this was supposed to be kind of setting up to be what would eventually be the Kira character in Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean... I really like Nanette Visitor as well. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to trade that out, but um, it was a little bit of a, a little bit disappointing that Michelle Forbes never actually did a cameo on Deep Space Nine. Right? That's like, true, like, yeah. From my, from my point of view, like, I think that she is such a good character. I wish she had, um, had shown up in Deep Space Nine. Like, cause remember she joins the Maquis or something. Like, it would have been really yeah. cool as like a, a tie-in. It never happened. Um, I guess Michelle Forbes is like a pretty busy actress, um, I just wrote down some of the shows that she's been on. It's pretty crazy. Um, Homicide, Life in the Street, 24, Prison Break, The Walking Dead, True Blood. That's like a pretty big resume. She was um, also on Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. And yeah. I've got another little, because I know one of your favorite shows aside from Star Wars, Star Trek is uh, Seinfeld. Do you know what episode she was in? The Big Salad. The Big Salad. Well done. Well done. Yeah, she definitely makes it around. She's I just handed her the bag. <laughs> No, you had to have the big salad. <laughs> yes, with our obligatory Seinfeld reference. I'm glad you were able to work that in. Uh, so, what do you think of Ensign Rowe? i kind of uh, been rambling on here. What do you think of her? Uh, she's, overall, I, I really liked her character. Um, it was kind of disappointing how it kind of came to an end with her joining the Maquis, but... Um, you know, I think in this episode especially, like, like you said, I mean, she's sort of the perfect person to be in that sort of secondary role to the forge because you know she's she's sort of a foil to the forge's like scientific nature right and she's right. like the exact opposite it just it works pretty well because she you know you, you kind of needed to have that little sort of conflict between them at the beginning of like you know i'm you know we're dead and one of the forge is like no we're not dead you know let's figure out what happened right? yeah and no so that definitely like, added a nice layer yeah. yeah, I wish we got more Ensign Rowe, to be honest. I could have definitely done with some more uh, episodes of her in Season 6, Season 7, but... Yep, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Thomas Kopash, who played Mirok, who is sort of the main Romulan uh, engineer, uh, he um, he's quite a uh, uh, prolific Star Trek uh, actor. He um, act, he ended up... This was actually one of his first roles. It may have even been his, it may have even been his first uh, but he was in every series after this, including Enterprise, and he was also in one of the movies. Yeah. 
good knowledge. Yeah. Um, just same kind of thing, like just kind of aliens and the characters and stuff like that. Uh, you would actually potentially, since you've been watching early Enterprise episodes, you might actually remember one of his characters. He was uh-huh. one of the Vulcans in the in the pilot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So um, quite a quite a he's a he's a Star Trek. Quite, uh, yeah. Quite the resume. Um, to yeah. me, he's just the Romulan in this one. I does he didn't really stand out or anything for me. Um, he was good. Yeah, uh, and Susanna Thompson, who was sort of the the uh, what was her name, Varel, and she was sort of like Mirok's kind of second in command or whatever yeah. in engineering. Um, she played some interesting roles as well in Star Trek. Uh, she wasn't quite in as many episodes as uh, Thomas Kopach, but she she was the Borg queen uh, in Un- the, episode, the Voyager episode Unimatrix Zero. Okay, good knowledge. I also see that you have, that she was in a controversial, is that a controversial Star Trek role? Yes. Okay, let me think. Deep Space Nine. It's Deep Space Nine. I am going, was she in the one, it was called like Joined or Rejoined? Rejoined. Rejoined, and it's when Dax is like going living with her past um, lives or like they are ghosts or something. And what it was, what it was, was uh, so Susanna Thompson played a trill who was like romantically involved with right. Dax's previous host, right? And it was a lesbian kiss. That's right. Right. That's yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Uh, okay, that was and, cool. And, and she was also in one of your favorite episodes. Uh, remember the one where Riker goes crazy over that uh, play? Oh yeah, she was. She was she one was, of the romances again in that one as well. She was in that one as well. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she's got nice, quite the. Uh, Quite the Star Trek resume. I think that kind of happens a lot, actually. They kind of go back and use the same people over and over again. Well, yes. Uh, and then the next guest star, Brian Cousins, he was also uh, in a few... He was only... He was in three episodes okay. of Star so. Trek. Um, yep. And then Grossmer was not. She's sort of the lone, the lone uh, guest star that was just like a one-off. But Yeah, weird that they made her like the chief petty officer. Like, she's mm-hmm. actually the... She's actually... They call her the chief in this episode they do um and they even go so far as to say that she's like the transporter chief which is weird i actually was like trying to think about this because this is 92 and chief o'brien doesn't get transferred over to deep space nine till 93 like in like our years right um then where is he where is he i don't get it yeah that was kind of a mystery i mean i I mean in terms of practicality i'm sure the actor cole meany was just Just busy yeah busy but yeah i mean that's kind of an odd i mean when i first sort of watched this episode i was was like yeah where's yeah this brosmer lady is in charge like where's chief o'brien well even if it was like season seven that makes total sense right because he left that's true but if it's not it's before so it's kind of like he left so you know it was kind of a mysterious weird he's on he's on shore leave maybe maybe now i i I really liked um laforge's sort of um like chiding of data like well data's sort of in engineering and sort of figuring out how it is and LaForge is always like oh data come on put it all together like what's wrong with right. you and then and then there's that scene in the memorial service where data's like I think I may have found out what helped me and he's like oh please be right yeah you know I think that like I don't act or anything like that but I, I bet you it's not as easy as you think to act as if somebody is not there you know what I mean? Yeah, I like, like totally for all agree. the people where, especially when like they're right in their faces and stuff, like, like even in, yeah. yeah, it'd be hard not to, you know, react to somebody doing those things. So I think that they all the actors in this one did a really good job in that 
in that sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, there's uh, there isn't really a lot of uh, production, interesting production uh, notes or anything. There was one. Now, now, there were a lot of special effects in this with people running through bulkheads and walls and whatnot. Uh, did you think, what, what did you think of the, the special effects? So, yeah, it was really tough not to talk about the special effects when we were talking about it earlier because we mentioned they were going through the walls and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if I was watching like remaster or something, but I thought it looked really good. Um, like, I think that there were like two moments. Like the first time they jumped through the bulkhead, I thought that looked really, really cool. And there's a scene that you mentioned where he's getting hit with the, the particles and then he pushes his finger like into the table and like the table like kind of must have been like molasses or something and it kind of like it partially goes in but partially not it kind of like bends a little bit that yeah. looks really good um so yeah I, I don't know if it was remastered or what have you but i thought the special effects were amazing yeah i i seem to remember i, I don't think that there was really much difference between this and what we're watching now in the original run like i, I remember watching them a long time ago and thinking, man, these special effects are actually pretty good. You know, they're walking through walls and it doesn't look like, at no, like, I wouldn't say they were exceptional, but they were definitely not bad. Like, they were good and they were consistently good throughout yeah. the episode. There yeah, wasn't ever really that. a moment where it was like, oh, that looks kind of cheesy or, oh, they kind of messed that one up. Like, they did, I thought they did a, I thought they did a good job with the, the special effects. Yeah, one of the interesting things that I read was that this was actually supposed to be like a bottle episode. So like those are those episodes where like it's all contained to one little area. It's supposed to be like done on the cheap and stuff like that. Yeah. And then this ended up being like one of the most expensive. It might have even been the most expensive. By the time they did all the green screens and blue screens and all the rest of it, um, it ended up being super expensive. Yeah, and I think that's partly because they never really done these kinds of special effects before. So maybe they didn't really know how to budget for it right. properly. And, and yeah, but... It was worth it. It looked it looked pretty good. Now uh, we got a few little sort of odds and ends here. There's some quotes, some memorable scenes. Why don't we just sort of quickly uh, run through these? So uh, I think my favorite one was probably when LaForge uh, was explaining to Rose that he didn't think they were dead, and he said like, "What am I, a blind ghost with clothes?" Like I thought that was a really yeah, that was a good line. line. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I definitely like the uh, line at the very beginning. I think it. It just I don't know for whatever reason I always love Sassy Row and Sassy Riker. So when they're about to beam over and Riker's like, you know what, we don't want to spook them. We won't take any phasers or anything. And Row is like, that's not a smart idea. And he's like, what did you say? And <laughs> like it's like the teacher, you know? Yeah, that was yeah, that was pretty good. I thought that was a great line as well. Yeah. Now there's that scene with Row on the bridge, and we already kind of talked about this uh, a little bit, but um, you know, like like what did you think of that scene? Which is where she was kind of going around saying goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it was kind of like a little bit too close to when they showed that you go through things that she touches the comp panel and it's like really super duper obvious. Um, but yeah, there's, she has a kind of a nice line. I don't plan on... Uh, I don't know, what did she say to Picard? There was a, she, she goes there's, into the ready room and she's like, she sort of smirks and she's like, man, I, you can't see me and you can't hear me and, he, and even though you can't, you know, I'm still intimidated by you. Yeah, and she, and she does kind of have like a bit of a sentimental thing, you know, like yeah. uh, she, she, they always had a very interesting relationship, which is, uh, it, was, it, was, it was nice to see. I definitely like that, that, that bit. Yeah. Yeah, LaForge, then there's another good LaForge line that I really that I really like. And I actually didn't really remember it until I saw that scene in the shuttle. But, uh, 
you know, Worf and Data are talking about the memorial and all this, and Data's like, you know, I, I didn't know what a friend was until I met LaForge, and LaForge is in the back, and he's sort of like, yeah, don't get too, uh, don't get ahead of yourself, Data, and then he says, uh, I don't plan on being commemorated before my time. I thought, yeah, that's a good line, I like that. Good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that whole scene really in the shuttle was, we talked about it enough, but yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was a great scene. Now, uh, what's the over-under on uh, Riker actually playing the trombone in that scene? <laughs> or I guess I should say... I can tell you Jonathan as... Frakes. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you as sort of an amateur musician, there is zero chance that Jonathan <laughs> Frakes was actually playing trombone in the memorial. Yeah, I actually played the trombone in high school, and like I know that you need to have like your cheeks be like a little bit, like actually have air in them rather than... Like, <laughs> Well, I need the more of the giveaway was the slide was like yeah. moving when he's playing like a single note. Single note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no I, I, I mean, that's one of those sort of nitpicky things that, that sort of... I did like that they had the trombone set up for him so he could play at the reception. That was kind of yeah. Fun. Yeah. Now, at the end of that, you know, just after Jordy and Ro are, are defaced and they sort of join their own party, you know, Ro, LaForge has, you know, the line that I, you know, remembered from the recall where he goes, looks like a great party. Mind if we join you? Yeah, that's true. It, it ends on kind of a, like a, you know, like a fun high note and stuff. Um, yeah. Although, like, is it is it not a crime to, like, potentially, like, blow up the flagship of the Federation? Like... They're just like, oh, well, like, off we go. Better get those, like, uh, muon waves out of the warp court. Wah, wah. Like, uh, <laughs> they were going to blow you up. Like, it, that's, again, like, the Romulans are so good for, like, their treachery and stuff like that. Um, but stuff like this makes you feel like, man, like, they're, is this even, like, an alliance? You know, like, this is, like, really, really tough to be friends with these guys it's true yeah i mean they're like in dire straits and yet they're still like, they're still trying to get you right you know these guys just saved us and you know what we're gonna blow up their warp core and their ship like kill like yeah. a thousand people or whatever right big deal big deal yeah now the interface device which is sort of like central to the plot of this episode um it, a similar piece of technology is actually used in uh, a later episode called Pegasus, and um, and that was actually intentional. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it wasn't like sort of coincidental that the writers, you know, thought of this. You know, a different writer thought of the exact same thing. Like they actually were like, oh, you know, we need we need some sort of controversial technology. Why don't we use that thing right. from the next phase? You know, so that's oh, kind okay. of a cool little a cool connection. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and pe the thing about Pegasus too is that that ended up being a super duper important episode, right? Because Oh, yeah. um, it shows back up at the end of Enterprise, right? Yeah. That's yeah. like the whole, the whole kind of, I know people hate that, but um, <laughs> that's like the whole tie-in, right? So, um, yeah, the Pegasus is the one where the Federation was working on a similar thing, and it yes. was like the, the Pegasus gets locked in uh, yeah, asteroid, a basically. Big accident, yeah. yeah. And one last little piece of, information, uh, piece of information that I thought was kind of cool is that this episode was nominated for an Emmy. Oh, way to go, yay! Uh, but unfortunately, you know, it wasn't the most prestigious. It was for um, individual achievement in sound mixing. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Not the uh, most, not the most uh, sexy one to win, but okay. Not the cool. most prestigious, but hey, it's, it's still pretty cool. Uh, why don't you? Why don't we get into the our final thoughts and give it a rating out of five overloaded disruptors? Uh, why don't you go first, Andrew? All right. I mean, I think I've been praising it enough throughout the episode that you know that I like it. Um, I I don't think that again. I want to keep my five stars as like you know like the you know sacred most precious ones. 
Um, so for me, I'm going to go four out of five. It's a, I mean, it's a great episode. It's awesome. I could watch it over and over and over again. Um, but it's not to my special. I'm going to keep five for like, you know, special occasions. That's the top drawer, you know, scotch. Fair enough. Uh, I, I, you know, as I said, I've got a bit of a soft spot for this episode because it is one of the first ones I saw and I did see it during the original one all the way back in 1992. Uh, I'm going to go with four overloaded disruptors out of five as well. It's, okay. I know it's a pretty great, I think it's sort of above sort of a, it's in the very good range for me. So yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with four out of five. Definitely. Well, I think we've uh, spent enough time talking about the next phase, and I think we've reached the point now where we will reveal the next episode oh, that we are The next talk. phase to the next episode. <laughs> That's right. So I am going to reach my hand into the hockey helmet full of episodes, and I will choose the next episode that we're going to review. And Andrew's going to have one minute to tell us everything that he can. So let's see what we got here. Ooh, this is an interesting episode. Um, I'm not interesting sure. as in easy for me to remember? Maybe. Um, let's see. All right. The series is Deep Space Nine. Okay. Deep it Space is Nine. season four, episode five. The title is Indiscretion. 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 All right. I'm going to put one minute on the clock. And if you're playing at home, I suggest you uh, pause the podcast and just uh, see what you can write down. See what you can remember about the episode called Indiscretion. Indiscretion. And um, are you ready? I've got a minute. Just give me one on second. I, I wish I knew what in, indiscretion, indiscretion. That's, uh, That's this a, might be a bit of a tough this one. This might be one of these ones where I just completely stink out. So I, uh, I guess I'm going to have to, uh, I guess I'm going to have to... Yeah, this one uh, I'm not even a hundred percent sure I know what's what happens in this one, but uh, okay, I guess I gotta I guess I gotta just the rules are the rules. The rules so. are the rules. Indiscretion. All right, you have one minute starting now. All right, in this episode, uh, Odo has to run an investigation over an alien that happens to be uh, on the loose in Deep Space Nine. After a series of uh, misleads, he eventually. Um, deduces the uh, the alien and uh, is stuck with some sort of conflict in terms of uh, whether it, he has the right person or not. After a series of uh, you know uh, interviews and things like that, he eventually discovers that it wasn't the person he originally thought it was. It must be somebody completely different. And uh, in a Scooby Doo like reveal at the end, he's going to find out that it was actually this other person that he didn't suspect until the very, very end. And as a side plot, uh, O'Brien and Bashir uh, have a big darts tournament. And that's all the time we have. <laughs> well, well, I said something. I, I would say you're right, but I, I'm actually not. You're not sure? Well, you're, I was expecting you to help me out here. Um, what would you have said if you were in my position? I feel like this is one of those like flashback ones where they go back to like before the Federation took over the station and there's some 
thing that happened back then that right. was significant, but I don't know. It's such a like a bland title. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just trying to think of like who would be trying to like go back on their judgment or something. I guess there was that one episode where um, they go back and like it shows Odo during the the era of when it was under Cardassian rule, but I didn't think it was called that, so I just didn't want to go with that. So who knows? They did a lot of those like whodunits. Yep, we'll just hey, have to find out. We'll have to find out next week, I suppose. Indeed, and uh, that will do it for this podcast. So we thank you for joining us this week on Random Trek Review, and we hope you'll join us next time on RTR as we look at the Deep Space Nine episode, Indiscretion. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. And then the doctor's just like, oh, this mumbo jumbo, and walks over and is like, you put the coyote stone <laughs> here, which will then, I don't know, put Chakotay into the mountains of the antelope women. What the fuck? What is an antelope woman? Well, the mountains of the antelope woman would be her boobies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's probably not coming back from boob land. You definitely don't want to divert Chikose to there, then. No, not at all. <laughs> Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Expanse, an Enterprise podcast. That's when we get our, our wonderful, nice, slow, melodic opening credits. I had to skip it this time, man. Just because of time? Yeah, I was running I was running tight to our podcast recording, so I had <laughs> 90 minutes uh, to fit both in, which should have been done, but the first episode ended, for some reason for me, uh, at quarter to the hour, uh, so I had 45 minutes left, and I thought, mm-hmm. it's just enough, but I need some setup time, uh, so I had to skip, and I felt dirty as I did it. I felt dirty. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Ladies Trek Library, a podcast by women with a passion for Star Trek books. The author of this book, Dana Kramer Rolls, this is the only Star Trek book she's ever written, which would explain why I've never read anything from her before. Yeah, I heard that she did write some other sci-fi books, but no other Star Trek. Yeah. And she does seem like like she's a fan. It seems, from the way she handled the characters, I I would say she is a fan of Star Trek. Yeah, I definitely got the feeling that she was a fan um, and knew the characters. She has a PhD in folklore and history of religions. Cool. So that makes sense. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.